Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast for the week of Friday, July 23rd. On this edition, we're going to talk about COVID-19 and the prohibition on mask mandates, legal victory for transgender kids and teens, and a new report that suggests a deeper reckoning is needed in the Arkansas Department of Transportation in the wake of the discovery of a crack in the Hernando de Soto Bridge over Memphis, to Memphis, over the Mississippi River. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Good afternoon. So COVID uh, remains the the hot topic of the day, of course, numbers continue to rise, and a lot of the, the focus this week has been over a, a new law that will go into effect, I believe, next week that bans uh, any sort of uh, government from imposing mask mandates. Attorney Tom Mars uh, has promised a lawsuit. Um, the governor's been asked about this repeatedly and says that he doesn't see the legislature coming in to repeal the act. Trent Garner, the sponsor, has been saying insane things on Twitter. I think that's pretty much a, a big picture overview. That's about uh, it. I mean, we're, we're a state utterly lacking in leadership uh, at the political level, whether it's a governor or the legislature. Uh, they have they have rolled over, and I I guess I have to say that. Well, number one, our vaccination rate tells us is probably a plebiscite on official policy, which is only 40% of Arkansans are getting vaccinated, which says the others don't want to. And for whatever the reason, I mean, they won't. And and I, I, I happened to somebody sent me a, an extensive uh, CNN piece of reporting on CNN it was based mainly on a nurse and I guess probably in Mena. It was at least a lot of it was filmed in Mena over in Polk County. It was just at kind of her wits end, not only because people don't get vaccinated because it's, but because it's dangerous working as a hospital as she does. And the, and the vituperation she's received for being a nurse, she's viewed as part of some big conspiracy to, to sell this virus as something that's worse than it is that they're, killing people to inflate the numbers. It's just some crazy stuff. And I, I just think the politicians just may be right. They sense that the people don't want mask rules and vaccination rules. And so they're just not going to stand up and be for them. It's a pretty bad day when the governor of Alabama is better on vaccination leadership than the governor of Arkansas. I was, I was really offended by what Asa Hutchinson said on one of his many out-of-state trips yesterday where he, he more or less defended Arkansas. He said, you just got to understand we're a southern state and a rural state and a conservative state. And, you know, we just don't bend over to the government on things. And, and I thought, yeah, boy, and it's really served us well all these years, hasn't it? I mean, good grief. Very, very disheartening. So I, I think that the story is, is that more than likely, if herd immunity comes to Arkansas, it's going to come with tens of thousands of more people getting sick and dying, and and however many will die, not tens of thousands, but a lot. So, uh, like I said, this there's been a lawsuit promised. At this point, that seems to be the, the only potential <clears throat> avenue for, uh, for the mask 
the prohibition on mask mandates going away? Well, there's a tremendous amount of grassroots work underway. Parents calling legislators, starting petition campaigns, and and somebody made what I thought was a pretty good idea on Twitter. I mean, represented only themselves, which was say, why don't governor you get with the legislator and work out a compromise that we change the law that that allows allows local control, but only to the extent that says you have to guarantee remote school for people who won't wear a mask to school. You know, that that seems like, a, and I think the overwhelming number of school districts in Arkansas are approved now for, for remote learning. And again, I know that's not ideal, as you can tell people better than I can, but that seems like a reasonable solution. But Jimmy Hickey and, and, and Matthew Shepard, the leaders of the Senate and House, I mean, they're, they're just spineless. They won't take on the nuts in the legislature. And, it's, and it happens on issue after issue, too. So it's not very surprising. I, I just think we're, uh, we're uh, victims of our culture here. And it's, it, it just is a culture that is deeply suspicious of the government and, and, and prone to believe what they hear on Fox News and and their people just putting out garbage, you know, just incredibly erroneous stuff. And, and, and in the face of doctors and eminent scientists telling they're wrong, they say, nope, I, I know better than you do. So. All right, well, let's move on to a rare piece of good news. And that was uh, an early legal victory for transgender kids and teens and a, a defeat for uh, the legislature and Attorney General Leslie Rutledge. Well, actually, they had two two defeats in less than 24 hours. First of all, uh, Judge uh, Christine Baker enjoying oh, right. the uh, enjoying the abortion ban, which everybody knew was going to happen. That's the clear. I mean, it's patently unconstitutional under existing court precedent, and everybody knew this was going to happen. Didn't stop Jason Rapert from yammering about it. But the the bigger uh, news, just given that it had more more uncertainty about it, although one court in Tennessee had also already ruled in a similar fashion. And that was uh, Judge James Moody uh, enjoining enforcement of the law that was going to take effect next week that prohibited gender-affirming care to transgender children. And that, and that means, and doctors were even put at risk of, of prosecution if they even referred somebody to help somewhere else. I mean, that this is another thing that has been misrepresented is is stopping irreversible chemical castration and stuff and it just it's anyway it's none of that bears looking at very much it's, it was just wrong but uh moody had done a lot of research on the issue before the hearing and didn't hear anything at the hearing that that made him change his mind on where he'd gotten and he enjoyed the law he said you know it's it's unequal sexually. For one thing, it applies to women and not to men, and uh, in some in some aspects, and it deprives parents of their rights and deprives children of their medical rights, and it's against all expert testimony. And uh, the the thing about this is, is everybody emphasizes, well, this is just a temporary rule, and the case will still go to trial. The the rule for granting a preliminary injunction is is you you got to demonstrate likely success on the merits of trial. I mean, this case has been decided at this level. He, he's not going to change his mind. That law is not going to be reinstated by him. So 
it's not going to be reinstated. My prediction will be unless the Eighth Circuit reverses him, and that's that's a long way down the pipe. I think. I mean, I think we're a long way from that happening. So, so there was something of a victory for for science, but the politicians are all up in arms, saying the usual thing. For whatever reason, transgender girls, particularly uh, uh, that is people who were born as males and and have transitioned to female, have become the flavor of a day in right wing politics, along with black people generally. And they, they just seem to think that there's no end to the mileage you can get from beating up on this tiny, tiny number of terribly troubled and oppressed people. But that's that's the Arkansas legislature, you know? So yeah. it, in the it, short run, the law is not taking effect and Arkansas Children's Hospital Gender Clinic can stay in business and other people who work with these uh these people who need these services can stay in business and uh can't see that as any but a good thing. Uh, Brian Chilson got great group shot of, of plaintiffs and supporters um, outside the courtroom, and uh, Austin Bailey had a, a a good recap of it. But it sounded like the scene was was really joyous, and and it's I'm sure it was fantastic to watch a uh, a transgender male attorney from. The ACLU just ripped to shreds the the state's lawyers. <laughs> so, well, you know, they just. I mean, the problem is, is the the state has nothing to work with on this, or abortion, or any of the other unconstitutional laws it passes, except faith, and 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 essentially a religious faith that this is just contrary. You know, Jason Raper's response to court rulings that cited chapter and verse of law were that where's the common sense in other words why don't you agree with me i mean that's that's what they got is because we say it it ought to be so and and for now at least in some courts in america although later with enough trump judges in place who knows uh we still have a safety valve in the federal courts thank goodness all right, moving on. Uh, this week the daily memphian with an assist from the arkansas nonprofit news network published uh, a big investigative piece on uh, the the crack in the Hernando de Soto Bridge over the Mississippi River that, of course, has disrupted travel for the last several months. And the Arkansas Department of Transportation's review of it, which thus far, at least publicly, has been uh, firing a, a bridge inspector who the department solely blamed on the oversight. But uh, this report suggests that uh, the failure was more systemic and and that a, a deeper reckoning is needed. Well, I, I thought it was a blockbuster of a story, and, and I'm sorry to say to date it doesn't seem to have stirred anybody in the halls of the Capitol to say or do anything about it. But it did the wonderful thing of finding a guy on who all the blame has been placed and talking to him at great length. And that was a heck of a job by the Memphis reporter on getting that guy to to cooperate but i mean first of all the crack has been around for a long time maybe since 2014 and so there were any number of bridge inspections that missed it and and there clearly wasn't a review process of the inspection work by the superiors involved in this that that produced 
any adverse findings. And I think they even found in the FOI one admission by the supervisor, the guy who got fired to say, hey, I got responsibility for this too. Well, yeah, he does. I mean, and and I, I think that really it, it, it is fairly troubling that it is perhaps possible that we have insufficient inspections all over the place. Now, this is a particularly difficult bridge. And if you read deep into some of the weeds of the of the reporting, part of this turned on a big piece of machinery you used to mount on a bridge to inspect underneath it. And it was kind of it's kind of dangerous. And, and he couldn't get quite to where he said he needed to get to be to have the adequate view of the beam that, that was broken. And so, and this is a big, huge bridge, one of a kind in Arkansas, at least the way it's the way it's built. And so, I mean, and I don't mean to say every bridge in Arkansas is unsafe because of what I read in this article, but but as yet we haven't seen anything like a reworking of highway department procedures. It seems to be we did everything right except for this one goof is screwed up, and clearly that's it's clearly much deeper than that. So will the Democrat Gazette follow it? Big question. Yeah, that's that's all. That's always a big question. It's important when the biggest newspaper in the state picks up on something because although they're not nearly as red as they used to be, they're red somewhat more at the Capitol than elsewhere. And I, I, you know, I, I think I think their report on highway issues. I'm sorry to say has has been too prone to be an establishment voice. I mean, he's he's chummy with the highway commission and their contractors. And I mean, I felt, I felt his reporting on the incredible misspending of the bond money and what's been done since he's just accepted at face value, their excuses on moving money around. And, and so I, I just, I just don't expect a hard look from them because they haven't given the highway department a hard look up until now. Okay. Well, let's, let's I mean, they never there. report. They never reported fact which it seems at least worthy of mentioning to me the head of the highway department when they embarked on this billion dollar interstate 30 project in little rock left to go to work in a very high paying job for one of the big contractors on the project and he said oh well i'm not working on that project well maybe not you know but it's a big contractor that's benefiting from this new Oh, bid this new procedure where you don't bid projects. It's design, build, and it supposedly saves money, but it's put these handful of insider people that this guy now works for in charge of some humongous projects worth hundreds of millions of dollars in Little Rock. And I mean, to me, as I say, I'm not I'm not adding two and two and getting a four that he's crooked and that a crooked deal was done, but I'm just saying. You know, when you go through that swinging door from a state highway department to a higher paying job with somebody who's now doing business with the place where he used to work, it's worth putting on the record, I think, maybe. I'm uh, old well, fashioned. <laughs> well, we're uh, we moved through things fairly quickly, so let's let's do some some quick uh, other odds and ends. The uh, a gun factory that was slated to come to Little Rock is not going to ha- not going to make after all. Speaking of let fall downs and Democrat Gazette reporting. We knew this was going to happen. I reported in February this deal likely was not going to happen. This check gun factory that the, the state had given 20 million dollars worth of free land and 20 million dollars worth of promised incentives to build at the Little Rock port. 
because they never could get the financing. And they bought another gun company that had a manufacturing plant. In February, it became very clear that not, they were not going to be here. They were given until June to get started on construction. They didn't, so the land went back. The Democrat Gazette reported that in one sentence in the fifth paragraph of a story about Amazon buying some of the land to expand their parking lot. You know, it, it just astonishes me, the, the news judgment over there sometimes. But but no, in, in any event, this was an, and this was another project that failed. That was one of the reasons Mike Preston got one of his $50,000 bonuses for being com- such a great commerce secretary. The same year he got bonus for the, the uh, pulp mill that failed in Clark County and the textile plant that failed in Forest City. And, and not long before they started screwing up all the unemployment claims under the pandemic program. But but that's another story, another hobby horse of mine. Uh, the Democrats now have a candidate uh, to run against French Hill in the second district, Nick, Nick Cartwright from yeah. uh, from my, my back of the woods. Yeah, Rosebud, twenty seven years old, and I guess a former city councilman in Rosebud. He's been a a community organizer for activist groups. Real nice guy. I got a master's degree in public administration. Smart young fella. He figures if there's any hope, you got to get out and register voters and organize voters, particularly out in the, the suburban counties that always go heavily Republican. I mean, White County went 80 percent, I think, for Donald Trump. So, again, and I think for French Hill, too. And so that gives you an idea of the problem. But maybe who knows? I mean, I realistically, it's a it's a mighty steep uphill climb. But but he's young, enthusiastic and. He's going to go at it. Maybe there'll be other Democrats. Maybe it'll only be him. I don't know. He's hadn't heard from anybody else, and he's talked to all the likely suspects. But, but in any event, there's, there'll be there'll be a there'll be opposition, and there needs to be. All right. Well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Well, I've been binge watching a multiple series of a cop show on Amazon Prime, the Bosch series. He's Harry Bosch is an LA detective who gets in trouble with his bosses a lot, but they're, they're just sort of police procedurals. They have a little bit of drama and a little bit of violent action here and there, but I just find the character who plays when I can't tell you his name. And so he has a weird name. It's based on a series of novels by Michael Conley. And I've read, I've read a lot of his books. He's the Lincoln lawyer author, but he also did these Bosch books and they're just, well, you see a lot of LA and LA's an interesting setting. I like location shooting and, He's a, he's an interesting guy who likes jazz saxophone players and kind of struggling with a busted up marriage. And I don't know. And he solves some pretty interesting cases in any event. I, we've been through two seasons of them now and I'm glad I have. They're, they're easy watching. Yeah. They're, they're seven seasons. It's, you know, my, my wife and I have shows we watch together and then shows we watch apart. And that is one that she, has claimed that I decided I didn't care about, though. I, it, everybody ought to know says it's good, so maybe I, I made a mistake. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not making the case for it on art by any means, but first of all, I mean, I'm sometimes really slow on the uptake. I understand, <laughs> I understand these, you know. I'm not saying, now, who was that and who was this and what was that? I, saw, yeah, I mean, it's like. I mean, they, they, the, the stories progress in a logical fashion that, that I'm able to follow. So maybe maybe it's police detective shows for the stupid. I don't know. 
<laughs> that's not what I'm suggesting. Uh, the actor's name is Titus Welliver, by the way. That's it. That's very good. Um, well, first, I want to report that uh, my mother wants me to share that she thinks you were right about Barb and Star visit, go to Vista oh, Del Mar, or whatever it's called. She watched it and said that it was a total waste of time and completely unfunny. So, uh, okay, good. <laughs> she's going to listen to you now instead of me. On, on I think that's a, probably a generational thing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, this this is also probably a generational recommendation, and that's uh, the Mogul Podcast. It's I think available on all platforms, but Spotify produces it, and maybe you can listen to the whole season on Spotify, and you have to wait on other platforms. But uh, it's into its third season now, and I've I've listened to all the seasons. It's a uh, it's it's focused on sort of uh, less less uh, well known stories in rap history, and uh, the first season is about Chris Lighty, who's this real influential rap executive who had an untimely demise uh and then the second one is all about two live crew and and it's rise in the the miami scene and then the the big uh, supreme court cases that it was a part of or legal cases it was a part of and then the latest one is about dj screw who was a really influential houston dj who um, kind of pioneered the the super slow down um hip-hop that's become fairly ubiquitous but they're they're really well done and uh and fun and the reporting is sharp they're probably not shows that you want to listen with your kids uh around but check those out well thanks for listening everybody stay safe and healthy and we'll be back soon see you later